This is Education Matters, brought to you by the Ohio Education Association. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Education Matters, as we once again take a deep dive into the issues facing Ohio schools and educators. I'm Katie Olmsted, part of the communications team for the Ohio Education Association, which represents 120,000 K-12 teachers, education support professionals, and higher ed faculty members in the state. Ohio school employees do not pay into Social Security for their retirement. The ESPs pay into one pension fund, and the teachers pay into another, called the State Teachers Retirement System, or STRS. And if you've been on social media lately, you might have seen there are a ton of rumors and accusations swirling around about the current STRS state of affairs. We wanted to find out what's true and what's just misinformation. So we sat down with OEA Secretary-Treasurer Mark Hill, our in-house expert on all things STRS. Mark Hill, thank you so much for sitting down to explain this all to me. I know this has been a passion of yours for the last 10 years. You were an STRS board member, your OEA's uh, liaison to the STRS board. What is going on? Uh, well, that's a big question. I'll try to break it down as best as I can. So um, STRS is uh, the retirement system for teachers in in Ohio. Uh, teachers don't have Social Security. STRS is one of uh, the systems that are outside the Social Security system. 13 states have retirement systems that are outside of Social Security. So Ohio's teachers uh, have only STRS to rely on in their retirement. So it's uh, extremely important for our, for our members who are in that system. Um, and so what happened was after the Great Recession in 2008, STRS was really brought to its knees. Um, it had 55 cents on for every dollar of assets for every dollar of promised retirement benefits. So in other words, it only had about half of the assets necessary to pay for the promised retirements over the, the time of the system. Um, and there's a thing in pension world called a funding uh, funding period, which is the amount of time it would take you to pay off the unfunded part of those liabilities, that 45% for which the, the system had no assets. Uh, the funding period in that time was infinity. And so if you, yes. the easiest way to get your head around this is if you think of the funding of a pension as a mortgage and the part you don't have assets for as that's your mortgage payment that you have to make. There's also an interest payment, you know. So if you're if the pension system has an infinite funding period, that means it's not even making the interest payment on that mortgage, let alone the principal as well. So the real way of putting that is it was in a solvency crisis. I mean, there was it was spiraling. And um, so when I got on the board in 2010. Uh, John Kasich won the governorship that year, and in 2011, they delivered a message to the board, your pension needs to be fixed. It's out of compliance with the law. The law requires a funding period of 30 years. You fix it or we will. That was their message to us. So we came up with a, uh, a plan to, to re restore solvency, and that plan ended up being changed a bit, but passed in the law in 2013. Um, it was tough. Uh, it required... Uh, teachers in the classroom to eventually work longer, get less of a retirement and pay more into it. At the time, teachers paid 10% of their paycheck towards their pension. Now we pay 
14%. So that was a big increase in that number. And uh, so, you know, there, there was that we had, we were allowed to retire later. Um, so work longer, get less, pay more. And then on the retiree side, uh, at, the, at the time, the cost of living adjustment, the amount that gets added to their pension amount every year was changed from 3% to 2%. Um, so everybody took a bit of a haircut on that. It was a shared effort to make sure that the pension was solvent. Uh, it was it was a tough tough thing to get through, and and still is. So um, now, I, I want to interrupt you real quick. I sure. think it's important that we talk about the shared sacrifice here being mm-hmm. so important because this is a shared benefit. It's it's so important that the system was able to be maintained and and have a future for the current retirees and the active educators. That's right. Um, so at S, at, here at OEA, our policy is to have a sustainable retirement system. So if the actuary tells you, the, which they did at the time, that the fiscal stability of the system is in danger, um, then you have to make really difficult choices. And at the time, when you price out the cost of the reform of the pension uh, to stabilize it, the active teachers at the time uh, bore two thirds of the cost of the system. So everybody bore some bit of the cost. The uh, cost of living adjustment for retirees got clipped from 3% to 2% per, uh, per and for, for a year's worth of benefits. And then the, you know, I listed out all the active teachers things and then it ended up being uh, two thirds born by active teachers. And again, the whole point of that is, is to make sure uh, my goal then and now is to make sure that every single person in the system from the eldest retiree uh, to the first year teacher in the classroom paying uh, 14% of her paycheck, they get that check uh, at the first of the month, every month for the rest of their life after they retire or in their retirement. And fortunately, uh, because of that shared sacrifice, the fund really has stabilized. What can you tell me about the current situation? Well, the current situation is much better. Uh, in the interim, the board uh, had a funding challenge again. And in 2017, on the advice of the actuary, uh, voted to suspend COLA. So since then, it's the COLA has been suspended to zero. So there is no yearly cost of living adjustment for retirees. And that's the controversy right now. Um, uh, Many retirees, and I understandably are upset about not having uh, a cost of living adjustment, particularly now in a time of of high inflation after the pandemic was over. So, um, you know, that's that's the the biggest part of the controversy out there is that retirees um, say we we want our co- our cost of living adjustment for our pension. Uh, so since that time, though, I mean, the, the, the system has um, has improved and the funding of it now they have over like if you just look at the assets today, it's almost 84, 85 percent. So 84 cents on a on the dollar for every promised benefit. Um, and then uh the funding period is down to almost 14 years. So uh, that means that in 14 years, if everything goes as it is, uh, the system will have its unfunded liabilities paid off and will be 100% funded. Um, So that's great. 
And the board is actually looking at uh, adjusting some of those tough measures that they took in 2017 and in 2013 to try to, uh, you know, bring back some benefits. What, what sort of things could we see? Well, it's uh, what the board chiefly is looking at on the retiree side is paying a COLA for the next fiscal year. Um, so a 2% COLA. And then um, not, you know, not committing to a permanent one, just an ad hoc one. And then I think they'll reevaluate on every year, depending on the funding system, funding situation in the system. And for the active side, uh, one of the things that the board did when it passed original when the law was passed, because it was passed by the General Assembly, but the board um, crafted the plan. Uh, eventually, uh, teachers in Ohio will have to be 35 years and age 60 before they can retire. Um, and so a lot of teachers see that as a bit of a bait and switch uh, because they get out of college, they're 22, 23 years old. If they work 35 years, they're not age 60. So really you have an effective retirement age of 38 years. Um, the board is looking at re, uh, eliminating that 60 year retirement, the 60 year old requirement for a full retirement and basically just making it, you have to work 35 years and out. One of the things that I think people have a lot of questions about is why not fully and perpetually restore that COLA? Yeah, that's an excellent question and something that is uh, the currently uh, a bill that's been introduced before the state legislature. The, the, the real problem with that is under the current system, um, it would add $13 billion of, li of liabilities. So that $13 billion doesn't go away. Somebody has to pay it. And the only people that can pay it are the people that are currently paying into the system, the active teachers in the classroom now. So essentially that cost of living adjustment would add $13 billion for which there's no funding stream. And um, somebody has to bear the cost and it would be the active teachers in the classroom and it would make the system less stable. I mean, that would, would hurt the funding of the system for sure. It would take, uh, the funding period, the period that to pay off the unfunded liability up to almost the, the maximum the law allows. So if there's ever a downturn in the market after that, um, the system would have to adjust again, for sure. Um, also, the actuary for SDRS calculated to fully fund a permanent COLA for, for now would require a doubling of the employer contribution. So the employer and the employee both give 14% of the employee's pay, uh, making a total of 28%. That 14% of the employer would double, which would be 28% to pay for that. And of course, you know, given the challenge of, of school funding in Ohio, that's just simply not a feasible way to do it. So the only other way to, to make it pay for is uh, to have the cost borne by current active teachers in the classroom. That does certainly does not sound like an ideal solution. So it does sound like uh, an annual reassessment would be the most prudent way to look at this. Yeah, I think an annual reassessment is, uh, I think you've, you've phrased it perfectly. It would be a prudent way of, of, of looking at it on a year-to-year -year basis. Again, uh, you know, OEA's policy is that a cost of living adjustment is necessary in retirement. Um, the, the two policies, that and the policy 
requiring sustainability of the pension, our intention right now. And we have to work out a balance where we still have a sustainable pension for all members of the system and um, some sort of inflation protection for, for current retired teachers. And to strike that balance is where I think the board needs to go. Now, against the background of all of this, there is some um, push from a couple of board members for what kind of sounds like a get-rich-quick scheme, a sort of Band-Aid approach. What can you tell me about this this investment strategy they've been trying to pursue? Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll try to give you the, so to speak, 50-cent version of it. So two board members, Wade Steen, who's an appointee of the governor, and Rudy Fichtenbaum, who is recently elected to the STRS board as a retired member, he's a retired uh, economics professor from Wright State, uh, pitched in, I believe, uh, November or December, uh, an idea to the board uh, for the board to invest. um, And it's a very complicated arrangement, but basically they would convert all their stocks to bonds buy uh, and they would they would buy uh, an index swap. They'd make a swap for an index and then they'd turn around and reswap. So it's like two complicated transactions. Their initial proposal was for this to be $250 million and then eventually $65 billion, which is two thirds of the assets. And their promise is if they, that by doing $65 billion that they could reduce the employee contribution to what it used to be 10% and and then restore the COLA for retirees now. In other words, reset everything to back to where it was. Um, There are many problems with this uh, in our view. Number one, the the firm uh, that has proposed this and and something that was put forth, not officially, but it was in the background work in the news article, it was in, reported in the dispatch, was a firm that had no assets um, and had no track record of doing anything that's like this. They were co- going to copy uh, an investment method that was uh, used by one of the um, pension systems in Ontario. But this firm had no experience doing it. And so uh, the idea of handing $65 billion, two thirds of the assets of the system to a firm that is unknown, essentially a startup is not prudent at all. It is, it is pretty risky. Just uh, and, and to us, the, the promises that were being made were uh, seemed a little unrealistic. You know, I, I wish that there was a way to restore the COLA fully and take down the employee contribution back to what it was before. Uh, but I don't, we didn't think this was it. And fortunately, it hasn't been uh, brought back to the board before. But it was, as you say, scary. I think uh, Rita Walters, who was at the time the chair of the board when they heard that, or uh, or was the former chair, said, I wouldn't even invest my own money in this. Um, so yeah, well, pretty and that firm wasn't stuff. really investing their own money in it. Uh, STRS would put up a hundred percent of the assets for twenty five percent of the profit. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, so, you know, one of the uh, staff at SDRS said, generally, if we were going to get into a deal this big, we would put 100% of our assets into it and expect 100% of the profit. Now, we only have a few minutes left, but I do want to get sure. into the um, the compensation. There's been a lot of rumors uh, around we pay the the folks who handle STRS too much, and that's why we can't restore the COLA or bring down the contribution rate. What can you tell me about that? So uh, one of the things that the the folks that are agitating for a re- return of the COLA uh, have made a big deal out of of the compensation that STRS associates make in investing. Um, so a couple of things on that. Number one, I'm going to acknowledge that STRS associates make a great deal more than teachers in the classroom and 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 retirees. In a just world, um, we would have a bit more leveling of the compensation between teachers and investment professionals. But we are looking. So the deal, though, is. Um, STRS pays out in benefits $4 billion a year more than they take in in contributions from employers and employees. So that $4 billion, which is almost 4% of all the assets of the system, has to be made up by investments. That's the only way to do it. So we are heavily reliant on Um, the staff of STRS to be able to successfully invest the assets of STRS to be able to fund all of our retirements. And so the board has a challenge to make sure that there is a compensation package for them that can compete uh, in the private sector for people that do that kind of work. Um, I'm just going to tell you that the STRS board has a target of compensation where the associates there are going to be paid better than your average public pension system, but below, way below average for the private sector. They are uh, uh, going to like three three fourths of the people in the private sector doing a similar job as somebody in STRS uh, would make more than an associate in STRS. So, uh, you know, we are competing in a in a market. Uh, you know, the system is competing in the market for. Uh, staff members who are skilled enough to do investments and be able to uh, make money to fund retirements. Um, It makes no sense to punish the people we need the most to be able to fund our retirements. Um, Although I will also say the board needs to hold them accountable for the benchmarks that they they develop and and by which they measure their performance and hold them accountable for that performance precisely because they are well compensated. And there's a couple of stats I think that are worth sharing on this one. Uh, You've said that if STRS's entire budget were eliminated, it would pay for 1.5% of a single year of benefits. And you've said that STRS saves $117 million with the internal staff rather than paying the higher fees to Wall Street. So again, the, the, the rumors that are circulating on, on Facebook and online uh, about the ways that this is all going wrong, this isn't one of them. No, I mean you could you could shut off the lights of the building um, and and fire all the employees, and you're not going to pay for even one year of a cost of living adjustment. Um, that isn't again. I will say the board needs to hold the staff accountable for the work that they do, but uh, punishing the people you need 
to be able to fund your retirement is it doesn't seem like a sustainable strategy to me. Now, very quickly, one of the things that I'm seeing fuel a lot of the misinformation is a quote unquote audit. Um, Mm. What is that about? So the Ohio teacher retired, uh, the Ohio retired teachers association um, fund did fundraising for an audit from a firm called benchmark financial services. Um, The principal of that firm is named Ted Seidel um, has uh, done these types of reports for other systems and other states um, and has done it in some cases through crowdfunding. So basically uh, ORDA, the the Retired Teachers Association raised $75,000 to give to this firm uh, to write the report. Uh, The report itself, uh, in my opinion, misrepresents uh, a lot of what is happening at STRS. Um, It makes a lot of accusations about fees and transparency that just don't bear out. The board spent uh, an entire session in the fall uh, addressing everything that was in this report, I believe it was in their August meeting. And um, they found that, you know, a lot of it was overblown um, or misrepresented in the report. It's notable that the, the, the person that report used to work for the SEC, but he calls it an audit, but he's not an accountant and not bound by accounting standards. And actually in the disclaimer basically says that this, uh, which this report was not intended to find fraud. Um, so uh, he he did that. Now, as a result of that and, and a push by the folks who funded this, uh, the state auditor is doing a special investigation into SDRS, and we'll see what comes out of that. But um, I am less than convinced by the, the report that of, of the claims made within. Yeah, and SDRS, uh, their response to that quote unquote audit is available on their website, right? Yeah, that's correct. If you go to uh, the, it's a 56 page report, but I think it's pretty comprehensive uh, response to what was written there or 30 is multi-pages. It's, it's heavy reading. Heavy reading, but an important thing because this affects literally all of our teachers, active and retired. And so do the elections. What's going on with the elections? So the elections, there are three seats up. Uh, There are 11 seats on the STRS board. Uh, Seven of them are elected positions. Four are appointees, one from the governor, one from the legislature. One is the State Department of Education, generally uh, the superintendent there. Um, And then the state treasurer has an appointment as well. There are five active members of the system on the board that are elected and two retired members. So we have two uh, seats on the actives uh, held by uh, Rob McPhee and Jeff Rhodes, um, and they are endorsed by OEA for for re-election. And then on the retired side, she's currently sitting on the board, Rita Walters. Um, Only retired teachers can vote for the retired seats and only active teachers can vote for the active seats. Um, So that's that's what's happening now. Uh, Rita, Rob, and Jeff are, are all endorsed by OEA. We believe that they have done very good work under very difficult situation, um, protecting the retirement for all members of the system. Mark, thank you so much for sharing your perspective and 
and really helping break down the myths versus the reality of this situation. Sure. I appreciate the time to talk with you about the retirement system. There's not a day I don't get up where I don't think about it. To learn more about OEA's endorsed candidates or to help collect signatures on nominating petitions to put those candidates on the ballot, click on the link in the show notes for this episode. New Education Matters episodes drop every Thursday. And next week, we're hearing from a first grade teacher who wrote a children's book with an important message for us all. Until next time, stay well.